Psalm 32, Psalm 32, and we're, this is our fourth message in the last seven or eight weeks on Wednesday night in regards to how to be blessed by God series. We started off with Psalm 1, of course, and we looked at, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. We're talking about how to be, be blessed by God. Psalm 32 is a great psalm. It's one of David's two penitential psalms, penitential psalms, excuse me. The other one being Psalm 51. These are the two psalms that David wrote after his fall and sin with Bathsheba. And for time's sake, I'd like to read the entire Psalm, all 11 verses, but we'll only read to verse number 7. And I'll let you remain seated as we read God's word, but let's read responsively. Allow me to read the odd-numbered verses through verse 7. Read the three even-numbered verses with me, please. Verses 2, 4, and 6, please. Psalm 32, verses 1 through 7, and reading responsively. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the draught of summer, Selah. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Selah. For this shall every man that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place, thou shalt preserve me from trouble, thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Selah or Selah. And I want you to notice, of course, verse number 1, and then verse number 11, the last verse, the first and the last verse, this is a bookend uh, psalm. It begins with praise, it ends with praise. It says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. And again in verse number 11, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. We're dealing with the... the how to be blessed of God. And I thank God tonight that there's the blessedness of confession. The blessedness of confession. And let's begin by looking at the three verses that have Selah in them. Verses 4, 5, and 7. And you can f fill out your little worksheet if we could. The blessings of confession. I want you to, when we get to that word Selah, remember that Selah means stop, meditate, think about it. So think about these four verses just in... Way of introduction tonight here, verse number four. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me, my moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Selah. Think about that. Well, there we get verse number four is a verse of conviction. A verse of conviction. Thank God for conviction. Not guilt, but thank God for conviction. Verse five. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Selah. There is confession. 
Now, David tried for a long time to cover his sin, and we'll touch on that again here in a few moments probably. But when he finally confessed it, there was, there was a good thing because it led to, of course, the blessedness of confession. Verse 7, Thou art my hiding place, thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Selah. There we see a verse of confidence. And so we see there's, there's conviction in verse 4, there's confession in verse 5, and then there's, there's in verse 7 we see there's confidence. We, we are reminded in so many messages, I've preached scores and scores of messages over the years on David, and you've heard, if you've been a Christian for a number of years, you've heard probably hundreds of messages on the life of David. He's brought up, and it seems like uh, every third or fourth message, his name at least comes up in the sermon. And we know that David was just real rapid fire and reintroduction. David is one of the greatest the saints of all scripture. He is a great saint. He was a great saint. He is a great saint. Uh, he was one of the greatest sages, or that's another old, older term that was used for prophets. Or uh, David prophesied, of course. David wrote many, much scripture, of course. And then he was one of the greatest sovereigns of scripture or kings of scripture. So David was a saint, David was a sage, David was a sovereign. But we also know, and this psalm bears witness to this truth, David was a sinner. He was one of the greatest sinners of Scripture. And that leads us to the, the outline tonight and the, the premise of our message tonight, the blessings of confession from an expert. David knew. I, I preached a message several weeks ago now. You might remember it, but uh, a soundbite I said that in one area we're all experts in. I'm an expert sinner, and so are you. Nobody had to teach us how to sin. We, we got well-trained from our womb, and uh, from the wicked go straight from the womb as soon as they be born, speaking lies. Nobody had to teach us how to begin to be little sinners. Now we're big sinners, and uh, we're all expert at it and learned to, like David, by this time he was a seasoned sinner. He learned how to think. He thought he could cover his sin, but not so. And so we want to look at four things, and I'm hurrying on purpose Let's begin. First of all, look at verses 1 and 2 again. And let's, let me give you the point here, first of all. Uh, the blessings of confession from an expert. First of all, there's the pleasure we feel when sin is, is cleansed. The pleasure we feel when sin is cleansed. David starts off with that wonderful word, blessed or happy or contented or, or uh, blessed is that one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom God imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. There's four words of, uh, in these first two verses on uh, descriptive words of sin. In fact, there's 15 different words in the Hebrew language in our Old Testament Bible on different variants of the word sin. And here's four of them. Notice with me, first of all, blessed is he, verse 1, whose transgression... That word transgression has to do with defiance. It's, sin, is, sin is a defiance. It's a transgression. It's, a, it's a rebellion. It's revolt. It's, as one commentator put it, it's when, when a child, when they get to be two or three years or four or five years old or whatever it is, or maybe even older, and mom or dad says, you do this or you do that or don't do this, and they say, no. That's transgression. It's open defiance. And David, David knew in his heart before he committed that sin of, uh, of adultery, the Spirit of God, there's no doubt about it that the Spirit of God 
no doubt worked on his heart. And he realized as he looked at that woman that, and he, and he, and he of course, he would commit that sin, first of all, lust, and then, of course, he, the fruition thereof, of course. He knew in his heart, God says this is not right. But he said to God, no, I don't care what you say, I want to do what I want to do. And it's a it's willful sin. Verse number one again, the latter part of the verse says, Blessed is he whose transgression, there's open defiance, is forgiven, whose sin is covered. The word sin there has to do with sin is, is a defect. It's, I didn't have places for, didn't take time to sub, subpoint all these, sub, or these outlines, but to, sin is to miss the mark. It's to fall short. For all of sin and come short of the glory of God. It's missing the mark. For all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. Uh, I was thinking of, well, I think of sports oftentimes. And I go back in my head to when my, my so-called glory days when I played baseball. I was a good baseball player. Well, not as good as a Bernie Carbo or a Derek Jeter or who have you or an Aaron Judge. And yes, Amen. I couldn't, you know, comparatively speaking, I was a good ball player. But compared to those guys, all my goodness, filthy rags, not even close to their standard. And that is with a holy God and our, our, even our righteousness, even our sin is, is, we're all fall short of the mark. And so it's a defect. It's falling short of the mark. Number two. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. There's a third word for sin. That word iniquity has to do, sin is a distortion. It's iniquity. It, it also has, a, it can be translated as perverseness or bent, or I like this terminology, twisted. You look at something that's supposed to be straight and you say, something's wrong with that. It's, we use it's twisted. I don't have time to get off on the subject, but I... I got a call from California from, uh, from West Coast Baptist College, as a matter of fact, today. And, there's a, and I, this is the second or third time I've seen this in the last 48 hours or so. I saw it in the Sword of the Lord, and there, there, there's a house uh, uh, resolution in the state of California to make it a penalty or by, applicable by a fine and even imprisonment. Uh, it's hard to comprehend this for institutions, public institutions, to not address or to keep addressing gender with just a he or a she can no longer do that. If, they, if this law passes, it's hard to, hard to, and we've all seen, I'm just going to say it from the pulpit, it needs to be said, sometimes we've had transvestites, we've had people in here, don't transgender, call them whatever you want, but you end up calling them a shim, because you don't know if it's a he or her. It's wicked, you know what that is? That's twisted, is what that is. It's twisted. There's a distortion of what God says is right. God, well, I feel like preaching, but I won't do that. Verse 2, the latter part of the verse. Blessed is man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and and in whose spirit there is no guile. Well, that's an easy word to understand. Guile is deception. Sin is a deception. It's cunning. It's lying intentionally. Aren't most all of our lies that we lie, aren't they not done intentionally to begin with? But then they're done with, David knew exactly what he was doing in his lies. And uh, in his defiance, in his defect, in his distortion. And no wonder 
David begins this psalm with a shout of joy. Blessed! I can't believe it. I was a distorter and a, I was defiant and I was defective. I fell short. I was I full of distortion and twisted and bent and perverse. And uh, I was willfully deceptive and willfully cunning. I willingly really lied and yet God forgave me of all of this. Thank God for the privilege or for the, the ability to have sins confessed and forgiven. That leads us to verses 3 and 4. Notice, secondly, the penalty we face when sin is concealed. The penalty we face when sin is concealed. First of all, David had once been, verse number 3, notice what he says, When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. David once had been a healthy man. A merry spirit doth good like a, yeah, like a medicine, right? But a broken spirit drieth the bones. Uh, you know, I, I, I'll use Brother Horton. He's not here tonight. I was surprised. I didn't realize. That I, I knew Brother Horton was, I thought he was in his low age. Brother Horton's 87 years old. He's got, he's, he's in great shape. He's in fantastic shape. And, and uh, I was thinking about it. I already started to tease him just a little bit uh, today. And yesterday I was starting to tease him about how well he gets around and how well he does at 87. I mean, he drove all the way down here from Ontario, and he's driving around the country and so forth, and 87 years of age. Someone could say, well, that's good living. Well, it's, it's true, but uh, uh, by the way, they have 28 grandchildren and 21 great-grandchildren, soon to have 22, they'll make 50, and they're still going, and uh, so through seven kids. I'm jealous, but anyhow, uh, Lord's blessed them in a great way, and uh, but David was a healthy man, and uh, and uh, uh, he, f- sin takes a physical toll on you. And I have to, well, I'll just say it. I mean, it's just, it's just true. I mean, case study over, I mean, you've all seen it yourself. How many people, they die in early death. I'm thinking of somebody in my mind in Ohio right now that just died a month or two ago. I think I alluded to it. But they didn't smoke four packs of cigarettes a day. They didn't do drugs or they didn't do alcohol. They wouldn't be dead at 50-something years of age. I'm amazed they made it that far. Sin takes a toll on you. These Hollywood moguls. These, these, uh, I can't remember who it was. Not, uh, well, yeah, Michael Jackson and, and uh, oh, some of these. Uh, they, they die in their 40s, 50s, 30s, 20s because of life of sin. Sin will kill you. And David was a healthy man. But now, verse number 3, When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. Uh, he was a healthy man, but David, verse number four, notice what it says, for day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. Once upon a time, David was a happy man, but his singing was turned into sobbing. David, the great sweet psalmist of Israel, you know, there's a joy in my heart. Uh, in my heart, there rings a melody. When you're walking with God in a Christian life, you're, there rings a melody. You can sing, singing I go along the way. Happy I am, of course, with the Lord. Uh, but uh, when you're not walking with the Lord, the happiness goes away. The singing goes away. This, and and the, when you fall into sin, the sobbing comes instead of the singing. The gladness uh, goes away and the sadness comes. David was a happy man, but sin... For, the day, for day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. David was under deep conviction, but he would not he didn't come clean. Then we look at verse number 4b. 
My moisture is turned into the drought of, or drought of summer. Stop and think about that. Once David was vibrant, and once David was went from a winsome person to a to a wretched person. Sin will affect you and affect all around, all everybody around you. Of course, uh, he went from full of vitality to zapped of of, of of his vigor. Sin will slow you down. Sin will dis, de, de destroy you, discourage you, and discourage others, and take away the countenance. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The Bible says. When you're walking with sin, you're walking in sin, and there's, uh, there's, you don't have the, the, the spirit of the living God, uh, uh, your, his fresh anointing in your life. So David was a healthy man. He was a, a happy man, but then David was a hearty man, a hearty man. And uh, I guess I already read the verse here. Let me read it one more time. His straw was turned into that, that of summertime, or of summer, Selah. But then number, verse number 6, or verse number 5, excuse me, notice what it says. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I, will, I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin, Selah. Notice Roman numeral three, the pardon we find when sin is confessed. David said, I acknowledge my sin. Now, I'm going to just stop there for a moment. When did David acknowledge his sin? Thank you. When he was found out. How many months did David hide his sin? It was months. And he went about trying to find his, you know... uh, he went about trying to hide his sin. Don't we all do that from one extent to another? Haven't we all been there before, trying to hide our sin? And finally, Nathan the prophet came in and pointed his finger at him and said, Thou art the man. And then David came clean. You know, I'm not a prophet in the Old Testament, says the word for sure, but the preacher can be a prophet in your heart, and you'd be used of God to be a prophet in your heart and life when the preaching of the word of God goes forth and the spirit of God convicts you and says, he pre- he's preaching right in me. Here's the real truth of the matter is, I, don't, I can't, believe me, I'm not omnipotent. I'm not omniscient. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what sin you might be hiding right now. But God does. God knows. And he can use... Uh, a voice, to, a still small voice, to use the Spirit of God through a, a, a vessel to convict you of sin. And so David, he comes to himself when David, when, excuse me, when Nathan confronts him with his sin. How long would have David gone on before he would have got that right with God? We don't know. But God says enough's enough and he allowed a man graciously because of his love to come in and and point out his sin. And David did the right thing. Remember when Samuel came in about, uh, came to Saul 40 years or thereabouts earlier. And Saul, of course, uh, about the, the Malachites not killing King Agag. We touched on it the other, other day in one of the messages. And Saul began to make excuses. Well, the people wanted me to save things. And he always made excuses. David said, I have sinned. Guilty. And so when he did that, there was pardon. 
Three things about a pardon. First of all, the pardon, it's full. First John 1 John 1.9, can you quote it with me? Let's try it together, ready? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How much does he cleanse us from? All unrighteousness. It's a full pardon. Not from most unrighteousness, from all unrighteousness. We can only go to heaven by having all of our righteous, unrighteousness forgiven, of course, or pardoned. It's full, but then it's, it's, this pardon is free. Romans 8, 32, the Bible says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not also with him freely give us, freely give us all things? He gives us sanctification. He gives us justification. He gives us cleansing. He forgives us. This pardon is full. It's free. And then, letter C, it's final. I like that. The Bible says in Romans 8, 33, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Can I give you the Marty Shot version of that? Shut up! Doesn't matter what you say, God's the final authority. God says you're forgiven. A lot of talk about uh, President Trump lately here, just in the last, they're making a big deal about, you know, it's been all the way since our very first president. Presidents have the right according to the Constitution of the United States, to pardon anybody they want to, an American citizen. When uh, Nixon was uh, the Watergate tapes, I mean, what, what's been taking place in our politics here the last year or two with uh, the, the, the scandals with uh, Hillary Clinton and, and uh, the FBI makes Watergate look like kid stuff. If you, if, you, if, you, uh, if you folks that are old enough to know what I'm talking about, 15 minutes, and I've seen, been by that Watergate Hotel a number of times in Washington, D.C. 15 minutes, some men fil filtering through and trying to find dirt on those Democrats. Richard Nixon would have been impeached. And, uh, of course, he resigned in disgrace. And then For Gerald Ford became the vice president. And, of course, he ended up pardoning Richard Nixon and saved the country a lot of heartache and wrath. For this day forward, when the name Richard Nixon is mentioned, most people think of Watergate. That will always be with him. For 100 years, for 500 years from now, the Lord Rotarian is coming in history. Nixon and Watergate. David and, well, thank you, you positive one, Goliath, but David and Bathsheba. You know, it always stays with us forever, but Gerald Ford gave him a full pardon before he was ever convicted but he, it was going to come down the road. God, aren't you thankful for full pardons that our Savior gives us, or that our Heavenly Father gives us? It's full, it's free, it's final. One more time, look at that verse, verse 5, before we move on. I acknowledge my sin. That's how pardon begins. You must acknowledge your sin specifically. And when you go to God and you ask you, the Lord to forgive your sin, be specific with it. Lord, forgive me for this, and then name the sin. Do you do that? That's hard to do. In many cases, Lord, forgive me for lying to that person. Lord, forgive me for whatever it is. Forgive me for not caring. You know how I, I, I just looked the other way. Or whatever it is. For singing, and, and if you sin against a person, acknowledge that person's name. I acknowledge my sin unto thee. And mine iniquity have I not hid. Well, he hid it for a long time, but then he came clean. And his sin, 
By the way, it's hard to, I, I just, I, I didn't, let me, I skipped over this. I want to just go a little further here just regards to covering sin. It's hard to cover sin. Sin is, uh, well, you know what, we'll, we'll get to that. I'll get, pardon me, I'll, I'll, I'll get to it in the last point. Let's go to Roman number four here and move, move forward here. Verses six and seven. For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in time when thou mayest be found. Notice the path we follow when sin is conquered. Unless sin in your life is conquered, a pardon is just a license to go on sinning. That's what's wrong with Reformation. That's what's wrong with AA that says, Hi, I'm filling the blank with your name. I'm Marty and I'm an alcoholic. No, uh, you could be, Hi, I'm Marty, but I've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and I've got a new start. I don't have to sin anymore. I've got freedom and I've got power. So we have power. This, this cleansing also gives us power. First of all, there's the power of prayer. For this shall, verse 6, shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in time when thou mayest be found. We can pray to the Lord and, and, then, uh, and he'll hear our prayer. And then it says, when thou mayest be found, surely in the floods of great waters shall they not come nigh unto him. Verse 7, thou art my hiding place. This path that we follow when sin is conquered is the power through the power of prayer, first of all, but then the power of position. We have a hiding place in, in the Lord, and we're, we're near to the heart of God, as the songwriter says. In fact, not only in the Old Testament, they could be near to the heart of God, but we in, in the New Testament, we have God in our heart, Christ in us, the hope of glory. We have the power of position. We are a Christ one. We had the we can go come boldly to our throne of grace in time of need. We have the power of prayer. And then we have the power of peace. Verse, verse 7 says again, Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Oh, peace, even through the midst of the storm. Now remember, and it's important and it's also very humbling to know, David's sin was forgiven. But remember, David had to pay. There was a lot, of, a lot of things that for years to come in his family he paid and he went through the pain of seeing his daughter Tamar, let me be blunt, raped. Saw his son, his son Amnon, of course, be the, the, per, the perverter. Of course, he's going to die by Absalom. He's going to see the problems with Absalom and then, of course, the insurrection of the throne. I mean, a lot of heartache in David's life that last number of years of his life because of that sin that he committed. There is still a penalty for sin, but I want you to notice that there's peace even in the midst of the storm, even through the storm. Job said it this way, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Praise God. Some of you may be paying for something that you did years ago, and maybe you'll pay for it the rest of your life. I'll, no, well, no, I'm not going to, I'm just going to say, let me not say that and just say that you think of a personal illustration of something that maybe you're never going to be what you could have been because of a decision or a, something you did in your past. That doesn't mean you can't, you don't have the power of peace that passes understanding even in your times of trouble and, and uh, uh, dismay. 
That leads us to the last part of verse number seven. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Selah. Think about that. He still was the sweet psalmist of Israel through this whole time and even after it. And so there's the power of praise. Praise, praise, praiseful even during punishment, even times of setback and times of penalty for decisions made. And so we're talking about how to be blessed of God. And we summarize by reminding ourselves this, a life of confession leads us back to happiness, peace, an opportunity of, re, of renewed blessings. Psalm 66, and I want you to turn there. We'll make this be our last verse here. Psalm 66, we know verse 18, or many of you do, some of you don't, so let's all turn there, please. Psalm 66, 18. Why David waxed, why he was in unconfessed sin, the Bible says, Psalm 66, verse 18. If I regard iniquity... If I hold iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. I have a handwritten note in my Bible I wrote uh, some time ago now. And my handwritten note says, don't stop at verse 18 with an exclamation mark. And I have a parentheses thing for verses 19 and 20, so let's read 19 and 20. But verily, or of a certainty, God hath heard me. He hath attended to the voice of my prayer of confession. Conviction, confession, and confidence. And here's the confidence. Blessed be God, who hath not turned away my prayer nor his mercy from me. God is a merciful God. God is a healing God. He is a forgiving God. Yes, there may be some setbacks, earthly or uh, temporal setbacks that we all have to face maybe for the rest of our lives, but God is still good and we, can still have the, we still have the power of peace and of praise and a position in prayer and we can keep on going on and serving the Lord no matter what our past has been. Today is the first day of the rest of our lives. That's a great stay, saying. And we can um, uh, get a clean bill of health by God's grace because he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to fully, freely, and finally cleanse us because he's God and he has the power, the presidential pardon to pardon us from all of our sin. Let's bow for prayer. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful truths of, Lord, uh, justification and sanctification and complete forgiveness of sins. Lord, though our iniquities be great, though our, we willfully, Lord, many times we know to do right and we do it not to him it is sin. Lord, we've been guilty many, many times over. But Lord, we know that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Lord, we know that we can come boldly to thy throne of grace in our time of need. Lord, thank you for blessing this man in whom the Lord imputeth not righteousness or imputeth not iniquity. Lord, uh, we thank you that, Lord, our sin is covered, not only covered, but it's cleansed. Lord, have your will and way in our midst. Thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ that can wash away our sins, we pray. And thank you for how uh, we can have that positional cleansing anytime we come to you. Uh, Lord, help us not to hide our sin, but help us to confess quickly and gladly. And we'll thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for these, these words of encouragement from David's penitential psalm tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's sing. Uh, this is a short song. So let's sing all four verses. Of